Morning's here. The morning's here. Sunshine is here. How uh, can you not sing about that? Oh yes, I'm to blame. Some of us are not morning people. Some of us are nocturnal, or voluntarily nocturnal. Voluntarily. So that sounds like it was a you problem. <laughs> what was that about sparrows <laughs> being sweet? I mean, we're very sweet. We do no wrong. I I swear. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Greetings, travelers. Welcome back to Tales from the Enchanted Forest with your animal companions, Fox and Sparrow. Konnichiwa. (laughs) If you've been following us on Twitter at From Enchanted or Instagram at Tales from the Enchanted Forest, then you will know that we have flown all over the Enchanted Forest to bring you this story. And this one is a really personal one for me because I heard it the story from my brother's friend's aunt's stepsister's neighbor who heard it from the vet. And it's just, it's just blew my mind. We love stories that are passed down through generations of different people that we kind of sort of know. What are you talking about? My brother's friend's aunt's stepsister's neighbor's vet is like such an important person to me. I know their name. I swear. Just give me a minute. It'll come to me. Okay, well, while you're thinking about that, I'll just tell the travelers about what our story is about. Today's story is Shitakira Suzume, meaning the tongue-cut sparrow. This story is one of five great Japanese fairy tales, which includes the peach boy and the crab and the monkey. Japanese folktales have gone under lots of changes throughout the years, and during the Edo period, where our story was popularized, these stories were used to impart moral and social order. The Edo period in Japan was between the 16th and 19th centuries and is classified as a huge boom in arts and culture, as well as intense isolationist policies. This story is very important to us as it features our favorite songbird, the sparrow. And now without further ado, here is Sparrow with the Tongue Cut Sparrow. But thankfully, my tongue is not cut so I can actually recount this telling. And dear travelers, we do want to mention, as always, this story has a variety of different tellings, but the main story beats will stay the same, and we're going to do our best to summarize what we've learned when looking into the story today. Once upon a time, there was a poor old man and his wife. The man was kind-hearted, hardworking, and he made a living cutting wood and fishing. However, his wife was arrogant, greedy, and she often made his life quite miserable. The one thing that brought the man joy was seeing his little sparrow. And who can blame him? Sparrows are great. We sing, we're cute, we're just adorable. I can't believe some people consider us pests. Well, you know, in the mornings when you're trying to sleep and that bird is just standing right above the branch, just singing its little heart out. Some might consider that to be It's early morning! Morning's here, the morning's here, sunshine is here. How Ah. can you not sing about that? Oh yes, I'm to blame. Some of us are not morning people, some of us are nocturnal. Or voluntarily nocturnal. Voluntarily, so that sounds like it was a you problem. (laughs) What was that about (laughs) sparrows being sweet? I mean, we're very sweet. We do no wrong. I, I swear. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, some of us might be morning people, some of us might be night people, but either way, who can hurt or be mad at a sparrow? Especially this man. He 
loved the sparrow like it was his own child. He would pet her, feed her, and teach her little tricks, which she learned quite quickly. One day, while the old man was out working, the wife went to collect the starch she made the day before for her laundry. To her surprise, she found the bowl quite empty. Wondering who would steal it, the little sparrow flew in and bowed her little feathered head while she chirped. I am sorry. I was the one who took your starch. I had mistaken it for food put out for me in that basin. Please, I beg your forgiveness. Very polite. Very sweet, as I said. <laughs> Despite the little sparrow's honesty, the old woman had never liked her husband's pet and was all too happy to have a good reason to lash out at the little bird. Because nobody in fairy tales can have normal reactions to bad news. She cursed the sparrow for her bad behavior and cut out her tongue for good measure. Rude! There's, there's quite a lot here that I'd like to talk about. But mm -hmm. the first thing... Mm -hmm. <laughs> the first thing being that this scene does remind me of two separate Japanese proverbs. One being doing the laundry while the devil is away, which is kind of the same as when the cats are away, the mice will play. And another being a child that does not resemble its parents is a demon child. So for the husband, at least, the sparrow is like a child, and perhaps the woman is taking this abnormal relationship between them as a slight on her as a woman who wasn't able to provide her husband with a child that he so clearly longs for. This is obviously not an excuse for her cruelty because what she does to the sparrow is very, very explicitly cruel. Yes. But it might help explain why she despises the sparrow so much if it's a constant reminder to her that she and her husband have never had any kids. And when you're growing old... One big concern you have is how are you going to take care of yourself in the future? How are you going to take care of, you know, your husband, yourself? What are you going to eat? Where are you going to live? It does seem like the husband is a laborer or a farmer. And so he's going to be doing very physical work for what seems to be the rest of his life. So I don't really blame her here for having a little bit of resentment towards the sparrow. I don't know where she would go to get therapy that she so clearly needs at the moment. But it's a reminder to her that her husband really wants a child and has probably wanted one for a really long time and she hasn't been able to give that to him. Which to me, it's not an excuse as what I said before, but I sympathize with her a little bit because she can't help him in the way she wants to. And he is clearly attached to the sparrow. So her jealousy obviously is not justified, but that's just what I think is the cause of this weird obsession and hatred for the sparrow as a sparrow what do you think well one i'm offended okay <laughs> you know how many sparrows get attacked like this every year i don't know i don't think we keep statistics on that unfortunately <laughs> as much as i'm against what happened i am a bit impressed at the accuracy that she got to just cut out the sparrow's tongue because one, we're very fast, very speedy, and we can get out of places really quickly. And how she was able to hold the sparrow long enough and then open up the beak and then cut out the tongue. That would be hard, I would imagine. She would have put up a fight, I would imagine, to some degree anyways. I don't know sparrow wants their tongue cut out. Uh, but it is, it is a great sadness. I, I do think there is something to what you said, though, about being a reminder of Maybe what she wishes she had in her life, but clearly this little sparrow is not doing her any direct harm. Can't she just make more starch? 
She could, probably. Um, I don't really know how long it would take for her to make the starch and for her to, you know, set it onto her clothes. She, that's such a cruel thing to do, I think. It'd be one thing to release the sparrow. It'd be one thing, I think, to maybe hit the sparrow. But to hold the sparrow down and cut off its tongue, that seems just almost psychotic to me because it's punishment doesn't fit the crime here. She's cutting off the sparrow's tongue, presumably because the sparrow talked back to her a little bit. Um, the sparrow ate something that she wasn't supposed to eat. Maybe the sparrow sings quite mm-hmm. a bit and the old lady doesn't like that sound in the morning or whatever. But it, it's such like a, a cruel thing to do some, to someone. Just any, I'm, not, I'm not trying to personify the sparrow and say the sparrow is a person. But in general, when you think about someone's tongue being cut off. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Sparrows are people too, okay? <laughs> people, I'm sparrows. I'm sorry. We are not anti-sparrow. We are pro-sparrow here on the okay, podcast. Okay, well, if I was going to say the sparrow is a person, and I'm trying to think about what it would feel like to have someone hold you down, yank your tongue out, and then cut it off, that's a torturous act. And for this to be in a folk tale, for this to be in a fairy tale, that presumably parents were telling to their kids, it seems very odd. And this is something I've, I think I've thought about quite a bit. It's that there's so many just cruel, intensely, explicitly violent scenes in fairy tales and folk tales. Mm-hmm. And I've, a lot of it can be explained by the fact that originally these stories were told for adults, and so it was adult entertainment. But some of these stories and folk tales during this era, specifically in Japan, they were told to children. They were telling children that if you did this behavior, your tongue would get cut off. And no, at no point have we been told this lady is a good kind lady and she's been driven to some kind of insanity to do this to the sparrow or that the sparrow was the bad sparrow who deserved this so the moment all we have is an act of almost senseless violence there's no explanation as to why the old lady hates the sparrow so much there's no explanation as to what the sparrow has done where the sparrow has come from there's no bad blood there no history there all we're told is this one incident and for me i think children do have such a great capacity to understand violence and understand cruelty. And to them, they understand being helpless as well. So for a child, for an adult to hold them down and cut their tongue off, that would be an act of just senseless violence for them. It would have absolutely no meaning, even if there was some greater meaning attached to it. But I think having these scenes in folktales, I'm not quite sure what adds to the story, really. Besides the fact that I, th- I think it does challenge what we think is appropriate for kids throughout time. Because I think this is a story that, you know, you tell to kids and a child would be able to understand, okay, this is an act that happened because this lady is cruel and she's torturous and the sparrow hasn't done anything really to get this from her. But I think these kind of stories need to have some kind of explanation of that to the child. Because the way we're reading it now in the summary, none of it really makes sense if you were to read this to a child, I don't think. The tongue, yeah, so she cut out the tongue. It probably has to do has is a connection with the fact that the sparrow ate the food or mm-hmm. ate the starch without asking or well, her defense is that the sparrow is lying. She obviously wants to just hurt the sparrow. Like that's mm-hmm. what the story says. Like this is an excuse for her to harm the sparrow. So her excuse is that mm-hmm. it's lying. And so the obvious thing to do then is to cut <laughs> out someone's tongue. And this is actually an imagery that isn't just with this fairy tale. That is a very common thing. I think from other cultures as well, the idea of a liar, the threat is they'll cut the tongue, so you better not lie again. Uh, I'm trying to think of an example of it because I know this is a thing. 
Yeah, I think one of the things that it might be also similar is how you cut off a thief's hand so they don't steal again. It's the same thing. You cut off a yes. liar's tongue so they don't lie again. Exactly. I think we're seeing a symbolic theme here. This kind of idea of like the bird's lying. Therefore, she will speak no more because we will not listen to these lies. But at least uh, she let the sparrow go. <laughs> that evening, when the old man came home, he was sad to find that his little sparrow was nowhere to be found. At first, the old woman tried to play dumb, but like a child trying to pull off the world's worst prank, she quickly reveals what she did with no shame in her actions. Uh, to her, this was just a natural consequence of what was going to happen next. It was the same as taking out the laundry. It was not a big See, this deal is where her. I think this old lady is, there's something seriously wrong with her because. This isn't just an act of violence mm -hmm. towards the sparrow, towards an animal, which in itself is reprehensible. But the fact that it's her husband, her life, like someone who she spent her entire life with. And this is something that's clearly a source of joy to him that she's taken away and that she has no remorse, even when she's telling someone that she spent her entire life with, that she's taken away something he loves. It's like if you killed your partner's puppy and then just told them straight up like, oh, yeah, I ran over your dog. No, it wasn't accident. I just did it because, you know, the dog kept running away. It seems like she's almost enjoying the fact that she has this power or she has this control and she's done this, which any normal person, any sane person, I think, would either feel immediately remorseful for what they've done and say, listen, I made a mistake. Let's go find the sparrow, whatever. Like, I don't like the sparrow, but I shouldn't have done this to them. Because just by seeing your partner frantically looking for their friend, frantically looking for this, this thing they consider a child, I feel like she's not just crazy. She's just absolutely psychotic. Like, she's, she's, I want, like, this, if this was in current day, we'd be seeing interrogation videos of her because she's killed someone and she's just sitting in the interrogation room asking for a coffee or something. Can you tell I've been watching too many true crime documentaries? Yeah. <laughs> Not that either of us are uh, trained psychiatrists or anything like that, but yeah, it looks, it doesn't look good for our modern day eye. We could tell something is off about her, even if we don't know what. Just like Zuko, not quite sure what is wrong <laughs> with Zula. Can't quite put his finger on it. Maybe built up resentment, jealousy, childhood, or just general unhappiness. Um, I remember when I read this scene for the first time, and I read, I think, a darker version the imagery was that the husband had come home and he just saw blood everywhere because apparently this this wound on her mouth had just, like the blood had flicked everywhere over the walls, on the floors. And he was frantically trying to look to see where she was because he knew she was injured. And he went outside and in a pool of blood was a tiny little piece, like pink piece of tongue. And he was horrified when he saw that because to him, he was thinking... My little sparrow is out there. She's lost her tongue. She's lost a lot of blood. She's, you know, facing blood loss. She's probably not able to fly. She can't call out for help. She can't eat anything. She's going to die. So the imagery, I think, is, is very stark. She, she didn't bother cleaning up after herself. She didn't bother, you know, making sure the sparrow was outside before she did this. She did this just in the house for her husband to see. And almost gleefully tells him, you know, like, oh, I don't know what happened to the sparrow. Maybe a cat got it. Maybe like it flew away. Who knows? And then eventually comes clean back that, oh, yeah, I, I took its tongue off. As one does. As one does, yes. So it, it's disgusting, but it's also just it kind of helps you see into her mind and mental state of how she's 
unraveling, kind of like Azula, just slowly unraveling, and you can mm-hmm. see that darkness inside of her. Now I want like a three season story arc to unsee her building up to only just listen i still want to see azula's not redemption arc because i don't think azula gets a redemption arc but i just want to see her come to terms with herself and how she's been i think i want a bit of that actually i read something the other day where the writers were saying there was a plan for her redemption in like season of four or five it would not be like zuko's but they wanted that parallel for zuko um and iroh that zuko would not give up on azula that he learned that lesson not to give up on her and that she would get some form of it. Like, it didn't sound like it was going to be outright, but they had plans Uh, for that. I will never stop being upset that they didn't. Well, you know what? To be fair, I think a story shouldn't keep going just for the sake of the audience that wants it because the story did wrap up. It did make sense to end it there. But the fact that they ended it with Zuko going, where's my mother? And then nothing else. I was like, all right. So where's his mom? Like, does he find his mom? Do we close that chapter? I'd much rather a show end on a high than go I know, but I'm just, that, that, that scene. But you're right. It, it was still such a shame. That scene was just unnecessary, I believe. I think, I understand that it's, it's to add the fact that he's looking for his mom. He might find his mom. The fact that his mom's alive. But the fact that they put that there, I was like, I we need to find the mom. I want to see them find the mom. It's the only loose end, yeah. really. But they do solve that in the comics, and I, I enjoyed the, the comics that And then followed. Legend of Korra, where there's, there's no, like, explanation as to where Sokka is. Where is Sokka? Okay, that's that weird. That was weird. I was, I'm like, do we just not talk about Uncle Sokka? Like, hey, Katara, tell us where your brother is. And she's just chilling in the cell. I'm like, okay, lady, where is Sokka? The fact they don't tell us what so- happens to Sokka in of itself is not strange it's the fact we get explanations for everybody else except for him which is strange there is something about saying that's fine it's kind of a mystery uh we're not going to delve into that it's not the focus of the story and maybe they had a lot about Sokka's passing that they wanted to have time to do like you don't want to even get started because then it just opens a whole can of worms maybe just give me Uh, like a one line i'm really excited (laughs) give me one line I'm really excited that uh, they're doing a bunch more Avatar projects now, so we'll see what comes out yeah. of that. Nickelodeon, don't <laughs> let us down! Anyway, back to uh, the sparrow the sparrow on its yes. lost tongue. Just like Sokka, we have no idea where the sparrow is. The old man was devastated and very concerned with the sparrow. Early the next morning, the old man set off to search for the tongue-cut sparrow. Roll credits. He searched all day without rest until at last he came to a bamboo grove where he found the sparrow. To his delight, the sparrow's tongue had healed, or at least healed enough to speak properly as she does speak with no issues for us to tell. Honestly, some some versions don't say anything, but the sparrow just starts talking. Some explicitly say the tongue healed. It's, It's not clear. Either way. The sparrow was very happy to see the old man, and she invited him into her home for a feast nonetheless. And feast they did. The old man was amazed to learn his sparrow friend had such a beautiful home with a lovely family that waited and dined with the old man. After the meal, the sparrow and her daughters performed a wonderful dance called the Suzume Odori, or the Sparrow's Dance. The old man had so much fun, he lost track of time, and it quickly became night. He thanked the sparrow for her kind hospitality, and she insisted on giving the old man a gift. She presented him with two boxes, 
One was large, while the other was rather small. The old man took the small box, for it would be lighter and easier to carry. <laughs> Made for that guy, I mean, I could easily carry a big box, no problem. I don't want to brag, I'm kind of working out. These little wings could carry anything. I I wouldn't really. Y you don't think so? I, I but I'm I'm so strong. Look like look, look how my little wings flap. Well, I think the old man has two reasons for not taking the bigger box. One, obviously, it's lighter to carry, and he's old. He's not you know a fit young sparrow like you. And two, because as a guest, you can't really say no to your host offering you something. It's quite rude. It's an insult to them. So you still take something. Mm -hmm. But as a sign of his love for her and the fact that he doesn't want this big gift, he just wants her to be happy and alive, he'll take the smaller gift as so as not to be an inconvenience to her. And that's why I think that's a double reason why he did it. One, because he doesn't want to be rude. And two, because he wants to be conscious of the fact that she's giving him something you always want to accept a gift, but you don't want to do it outside of someone's means. Uh, he has no idea what's in the box, obviously, but the bigger box he's going to assume is a bigger item that she's gifting him or the smaller box is something smaller that she's giving him. So, you know, it's not the fact that he just he can't carry the box. It's that he also wants to be aware of the fact that he's a guest and she's like a child to him. Can we go back to the time when people just gave you pre-wrapped gifts before you left when you came over to say hi that seems like a pretty fun deal i would love to start doing that for others as they come over and i would love to start receiving that instead of you know being bullied into taking home the last slice of cake that nobody wants because it's a terrible cake and why on earth would you put apricots in a cake why would you <laughs> do such a thing well i think this idea is still the same when you go to someone's house you bring them a bottle of wine you bring them some chocolates some fruit you still bring people something when you go visit their house specifically for dinners you bring maybe you might you bring dessert for them some cookies and i think the opposite is less true where as you're leaving someone will give you something I think the only way they do that is if there's leftovers. I know my mom, whenever she has like a big dinner party or whatever, if there's leftovers, she'll pack leftovers up for everyone and insist they take it home. But I haven't really heard of anything where people will just give out gifts at the end of it. Obviously, in fairy tales and like folk a goodie tales. Bag. Well, goodie bags, yes, that kind of stuff. In fairy tales and folk tales, <laughs> you do hear about emperors who have these massive parties and they give out gifts at the end of it as a show of their own wealth. Like, look how wealthy I am. I can just give you all this gold. Take it, go. Like, I don't care. I got plenty uh, in the bag. That's <laughs> the kind of friend I need. Honestly, me too. <laughs> it's like, oh, do you want my old car? I'm not really using it anymore. I'm like, oh, sure. Sure, I'll help you there. It's still something we do. Um, but I think here it's less so because of a tradition or anything. I think it's because the sparrow is giving him something as gratitude because she's had traumatic events just happen to her. She hasn't had a chance to say goodbye to him. And she sees him as almost a father figure, so she wants to repay him in some way. And a way you repay your parents is you get them gifts, you take care of them when they're older, you know, you cook for them, you clean for them, you help them out, you spend time with them. And as a way of repaying him for all of the time that he spent with her, he's go she's going to give him this present. And it's more of a thank you, but as opposed to a thank you for coming. What we have learned now, though, is the Sparrow has a really nice home. Mm-hmm. And has a family, not just brothers, sisters. She's married. She has a spouse. She has kids. What was she doing? <laughs> like, she was away with this old man for some time, only just went home now. How long was she away from her kids for? Obviously, the old man's nice and all that. But why did you just leave your family for so long? I'm now concerned about this sparrow 
Were you leaving your family for another reason that we should be aware of? Uh, that's interesting because, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I didn't think about that quite as honestly. I just thought like, oh, she went back home because she needed help. I didn't think about the fact that she's probably spent years away from her family. Maybe it's because of the love she has for this man because in some cultures, it's expected that, or not expected, but something you do when your parents are sick or when they're old is you go and you stay with them and you take care of them. Mm-hmm. So it could be that she stayed with them for a little bit. She realized, hey, they're old. I really enjoy their company. And we don't know what kind of creature she is. Um, so she might be that it's, she's lived forever. You know, she's lived ages and centuries. And so she's, she's had plenty of time. And she wants to spend a couple years with this family who's given her so much. It could be that that's the case. Uh, it could be that she went, honey, I'm going home for a few like days. I'll be back soon. And then she got lost. I remember in one version I read something like she, when she met the family, there was something wrong with her wing. Okay. And she couldn't fly properly. So like, you know, the old man helped take care of her. And it could be that she was healing from that. We don't really know. Um, it is weird. It's really weird <laughs> that she stayed away from her family for that long. And there was one version that, also said the sparrow was actually a fairy just looked like a sparrow yeah so again you were talking about before maybe has a longer lifespan maybe just that couple years away from her family was not a big deal and they're like hey well we were gone Mm, okay that's cool after they said farewell the old man traveled home in the dark until finally at last he returned home safely of course his wife was quite livid that he was out so late while she told him off the old man opened the box and was stunned to find it was filled with gold and jewels. The wife was also amazed, but then quickly became angry again that her stupid husband didn't pick the bigger box. I mean, hello, there was a bigger box available. Why didn't you grab that box? Still having zero shame, the next day, the wife went to the sparrow's house. While not thrilled to see the wife, the sparrow treats the wife with respect and offers her food. The wife quickly rejects this and just demands the big box her husband should have taken the other day. The sparrow agreed and brought forth the large box, which the old woman picked up and hurried home. The box was so big and heavy that she couldn't move quickly and had to take many breaks. Eventually, her curiosity became too great and she stopped along the road to see what was inside. To her horror, out jumped demons that attacked the old woman. We dare not repeat what happened to her next, but needless to say, she was never seen nor heard from again. But do not fear! The old man would eventually adopt the son and lived well off the fortune the sparrow had given him, and they would remain friends for the rest of his days. I like that ending. I feel like the lady who is rude and arrogant and cruel, she got what she deserved, and the man who yep. was kind, he got what he deserved. And neither of them, you know, expected the ending they got. The old man didn't go into it thinking, I'm going to get really rich off the sparrow. The old lady didn't go into it thinking, I'm <laughs> going to die. And it's just the kind of, it's that kind of almost like polite way of telling someone off. The sparrow led her into her home, still offered her food, still gave her respect. But at the end of the day, it was the wife that chose the bigger box. So it was her own actions that led straight to those consequences. And there's something so satisfying about it. That kind of revenge 
where you're, you have the upper ground because you were always polite, you always maintained your composure, and the other person who is always a fool ends up looking like the fool they were. It's excellent. I, I do not see this as a revenge story, though. I, I see this more as just you, you get what you give. I see it more as the sparrow is just doing the best that she can in this world. And thankfully, the stars aligned where that just kind of what comes around goes around to the old woman. Like she wasn't planning, oh, the old man's going to take the small package and the woman's going to come back to take the big package and wahaha. It's like uh, Yzma, who's like, I'm going to put it in a box, and I'll put it in a small box, and I'll put it in another box, and I'll mail that box myself. And when it arrives, I'll smash it with a hammer. See, I, li- I love that. That's like a convoluted story where she's like, she goes out of her way to make it as difficult as possible. But here, I think it's pretty straightforward. 100%, I think this is a revenge story. The Sparrow didn't intend, obviously, to have her tongue cut off and have to seek revenge, but... End of the day, she gives this old lady a box that has things in it that will kill her. But she didn't go seeking the old woman she, so she that didn't. she would take this box. The old woman came and she was just going to be like, okay, that's what you want. I have no problem giving it to you. Here you go. Yes, but I, I highly doubt that inside that bigger, heavier box for the old man was the exact same thing. I don't think that that would have been the same box that he would have gotten. I think no matter which box this old lady chose... Both were going to be a bad item, whether it was going to be like a small bad item or a big bad item that kills her, that was going to be up to which box she chose. But end of the day, I do not believe for a second the Sparrow would have even let the old man risk picking one of those boxes. I think they're completely different. And in this case, the old lady comes in, she demands something, the Sparrow complies and says, okay, you want a box? Here's a box. You can pick a box. She doesn't have to tell her what's in the box. The old lady is so entitled. Nope, well, she doesn't ask. I mean, yeah, the old lady's an entitled, you know, Karen who came in and was like, I want a box. Let me speak to your manager. And the old lady's and the sparrow is like, all right, here you go. Here's a box. And the old lady is so distracted by the fact that she's going to be so rich and she's got this massive box. She's played the sparrow. And she doesn't even consider for a fact that, hey, why would the sparrow give me a box full of gold? It's because the old lady relies on other people's kindness. It relies on other people being the bigger person, being the better person. Mm. And as someone who's, who's had to be the bigger person quite often, it gets so tiring. So sometimes it's just nice to see someone get exactly what they deserve. Travelers, tell us what you think. Is this karma coming around or is this revenge? Send us an email, message us on social media. What do you think? Anyways, we don't want our tongues cut for chirping too much, so we are going to head into our five fantastic finds. Number one. Old age is something celebrated in Japanese folklore, and this can be attributed in part to the ancient belief that the elderly were closer to the gods. The earthbound deities in ancient myth take on the human form of the elderly, specifically in myths where heavenly gods descend to earth and meet their elderly-looking companions. The elderly as a whole were important to Japanese society, and so folklore exemplified the ways in which these independent, childless couples were rewarded with a wonder child or a wish child. The wonder child appears as a surrogate child to a deserving and kind couple. We have talked about the wonder child trope before in our episode on Kaguya, the bamboo princess, but here we explicitly see that the elderly couple is punished or rewarded based on their treatment of their surrogate child, in this case the sparrow. Other wonder children throughout modern media include Goku from Dragon Ball Z, Sailor Moon, and Superman. 
This tale has the added trope of interspecies fostering or adoption, where a parent or family fosters a strange creature that is a different species from them. This is seen in lots of Western animations such as Amphibia, Final Space, Kung Fu Panda, Bojack Horseman, and Adventure Time. Number two. Sparrows are a common bird all throughout the world, which means every culture has developed their own view on the sparrow, leading to having wildly different interpretations depending on where you go. For instance, a sparrow flying into your home in China is good luck, but in Indonesia, it means someone is going to get married or have a baby. And in Europe, it means someone in the family or neighborhood would die. In Kent, if one catches a sparrow, they must immediately kill it or else their parents will die. Continuing with this fun death theme, ancient Egyptians believed the sparrows caught souls of those who had passed away. This would eventually lead to a trend of sailors getting tattoos of sparrows, in hopes that if they died on their journey, these little birds would carry their souls into the afterlife. For ancient Greeks, the sparrow was associated with the goddess of love, Aphrodite. At first, this connection may seem random, however, the sparrow is considered by scientists today as one of the most lustful birds. In the Bible, Sparrows are referenced in several verses. They are often used to highlight God's love for people, as seen in Matthew 10, verse 29 to 31. For Japan, the sparrow often represents wisdom. And I think we can also interpret today's tale to use the sparrow to symbolize the common and everyday person, showing that everyone needs to treat others with kindness and respect, even if you don't necessarily like them. Number three. This tale as a whole is classified under the Arnie Thompson type 480, the kind and unkind girls, which deals with the kind character getting rewarded, whereas the unkind character with greedy intentions gets punished. In Japan, there are classifications for different stories, and our stories would fall under Ongeishi Banshi, stories of repaying kindness, and Yokubaru Banshi, stories of greed. Japanese folklore specifically during the Edo period, was about maintaining social structures and discipline. So this is a very clear moral story in which the nagging wife, who embodies negative traits such as cruelty and greed, is punished, whereas the kind husband is rewarded. The social construct is similar to what we discussed in our episode on the African story of the jackal and the spring. These stories are meant to remind us that we do not exist in isolation. We exist within a social framework, and by following the rules of kindness, we benefit not only others, but also ourselves. In some versions of the story, it is not the wife, but an angry neighbor who harms a sparrow after sneaking into the old couple's home and seeks out the riches. In this other version, we have a dichotomy where we have a separate evil elderly female character to mirror the good, kind elderly female character. Number four. In Yi Theodora Ozaki's version of the story, the wife doesn't actually die at the end. Rather, she runs away and learns her lesson. Slowly, over many years, she changes her ways for the better. But every other version we could find always ends with her karmic death. Karmic death is when a character dies as a direct result of their own actions, and often in a parallel way to the negative actions they inflicted on others. These are very satisfying as they make it feel like real justice. As a bonus, karmic deaths are never really the fault of the hero. As a bonus, karmic deaths are never the fault of the hero. So our hero can often remain pure and continue to have the moral high ground. This trope is absolutely rampant in Disney animated films and a lot of other media aimed at younger audiences. But that hardly means it's only for kids. 
anyone who has seen the Breaking Bad series knows exactly what I'm talking about. One example from Disney you may not even be aware of is from Bambi. It is implied that the hunter at the start of the film who shot Bambi's mom was later burned alive in the forest fire that he started. Walt Disney himself wanted to show the body to cement this connection, but the scene was later shelved as it was, well, maybe not the best for younger audiences. Dun, dun, dun. In Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, the love interest Elsa betrays Indy for a chance at the Holy Grail. At the end, the Grail is just out of her reach. Indy tries to convince her to give it up, but she just can't. Ultimately, she dies trying to get what would have given her eternal life. Number five. Hospitality is considered sacred in lots of different folklore and mythology, especially in Greek and Japanese lore. The guest-host relationship is one of interdependence and trust. The host trusts that the guest will not harm him in his own home, and in turn does not poison the guest or murder him in his sleep. This can be considered the origins of the popular phrase, let us break bread, meaning a truce as the two sides engage in the rules of hospitality. By breaking these rules, the violating party opens themselves up to retribution. Even some Japanese yokai or monsters follow these rules of politeness, as a kappa will return bows and the scissor slaughterer, the kuchisake ona, will let you go if you say you have an appointment. Examples of sacred hospitality can be seen all over the world, including the following famous literary examples. In the Iliad, the Trojan War was caused by Paris, who violated these rules by running away with Queen Helen. In Arthurian legend, Sir Gawain honors his contract with the Green Knight after he comes to their feast. In Loki's quarrel, Loki exploits the rules by insulting everyone during dinner, without fear of retribution. And in Shakespeare's Macbeth, Macbeth and Lady Macbeth kill King Duncan and suffer the consequences of breaking hospitality with their own madness. This trope can also be seen in lots of modern media, none being more famous than Game of Thrones, where the Starks attempt to rectify their broken contract with the phrase by breaking bread and salt. But the phrase go back on this during the Red Wedding. Now, travelers, while we have enjoyed sharing this story and breaking hypothetical bread with you, it is time for our hospitality to come to an end as we return to the Enchanted Forest. If you want to hear more from us and find out what our next tale will be, come join us anytime on Twitter at From Enchanted or Instagram at Tales from the Enchanted Forest. Or if you're old school like Sparrow, you can email us at Tales from the Enchanted Forest at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your questions, comments, and suggestions, so if you have anything to share, please don't hesitate. And remember, travelers, if you enjoyed what you heard today and what we do here, please give us a review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcasts. It helps the podcast grow and reach new travelers to join us on these adventures. Thank you so much, travelers. Come back next time when we have our special Halloween episode. We're going to cover a very spooky episode. Spooky. Until then, remember, there's always a place for you in the Enchanted Forest. And sometimes, if you stick around long enough, you might hear some bloopers. Us? Make a mistake? <laughs> Never. I have a big bite mark on my hand. I've just been scratching it. Oh, no. It's in the worst place, too. Scritchy, scratchy.
It's on like one yeah. of the bones, right? It's kind of like yeah. one of the bones. Yeah, it's the worst because you kind of can feel it every time you like yes. kind of move your hand. Yes, like, like, like I, I flex my fingers. And then oh. you remember it. Yeah. I don't even know how it got me. I'm so quick with bugs. Like I smack them right away. To our modern day eye as armchair detectives, we can tell something is off about her, even if... <laughs> Sorry, I just remembered the Zuko line. Like something's off about Azula. I just and then she walks up and she looks crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Like yeah, maybe the fact that she's you know like an absolute train wreck of a like person 